0: morning, uh, my name is Jerome, I'm the Associate Minister here at St Mark's. Um, I feel it in my fingers and I feel it in my toes, the love that's all around me and so the feeling grows. Some may say though, what's love got to do with it, got to do with it, what's love Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? However, others may say, all we need is love. All we need is love. All we need is love. Love. Love is all we need. For those that haven't caught on, um, yes, those are lyrics to songs, love songs. Um, they're not my words. Um, but um, the great danger with 1 Corinthians 13 is to simply place 1 Corinthians 13 alongside every other love song, every other ode to love, and to think that they're just simply, you know, another love ditty, another, some words of inspiration. And I have conducted um, uh, marriage ceremonies before, and yes, 1 Corinthians 13 has been selected many a time, and it is a beautiful passage, I think, to reflect upon at a wedding. But the great danger is to reduce it down to simply just some other musings on love that we can place alongside some other musings on love. Place it alongside every other love story, every other love song. This passage stands in a league of its own. Um, In its context, where Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, to the Corinthians, it is unflatteringly crushing. To the people who hear this, this is unflatteringly crushing. And yet at the same time, it is the highest and most excellent of exhortations. It's both. It's both crushing and yet at the same time, the highest and most excellent of exhortations. For Paul and and even whenever we hear God's word, It's not simply to crush us. It's not simply to condemn or say, feel guilty. God's word to us is always be free, get free. So when Paul's exhorting them and urging them to this most excellent way, that most excellent way of love, this is a way to be free. This is the new life in the Spirit. And we have been looking at the Holy Spirit this year And as we look at 1 Corinthians, we've been thinking about the theme of living in the Spirit. And this is Paul's great urge to them, to the Corinthians. And so I wonder if we might hear it in a similar way that we might hear as well um, those words that seem so high and so hard. We might feel crushed, but let's not be afraid. For sometimes it's in that moment of being crushed that we see the truth. And sometimes we see the truth as the truth. This is the only way, the way of love. It's the only way that will last. And so I encourage us to listen and hear these words. Because it's description, this description of love is extreme. For those that um, may get lost in words, and there are many words here in this chapter. Some of you might prefer equations and so the equation um, that one would read in these first few verses is um, that gifts minus love equals zero. Or sacrifice, self-sacrifice, gifts and self-sacrifice minus love is nothing, it's zero. And so at the Corinthian church we've Read in the earlier chapters this issue of um, wisdom. Who's wiser? This one upmanship. I'm wiser than you. I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I'm wiser than you. And now in these later chapters, in this later part of the letter, we're dealing with spiritual gifts. And one of the particular gifts, speaking in tongues, is in view. seems to have become a particular issue. That somehow I've reached the height of spirituality if I can speak in tongues. And so Paul starts right there. If I speak in tongues, in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Think about an ensemble, an ensemble of instruments. Each instrument brings value. But here, without love, the value is nothing. There's no value added and then what about the gift of prophecy or the gift of knowledge or the gift of faith? Well, without love, I am nothing. So first, the value is nothing. Now I am worth nothing. But even if I possess, if I give all that I possess to the poor, if I give over my body, if, if I, if this, in this self-sacrifice, if I give over my whole self, but still do not have love, I gain nothing. So there's no profit. So there's no value, no worth and no profit. The language is extreme. This love that Paul's speaking about is so essential that without it, there is nothing of value, nothing of worth, nothing of profit without this love. This description is so high But we have to describe this love, don't we? We have to sort of get to a sense of understanding what this is because we use the word love so freely, don't we? I love hot dogs and I love my mum and dad. And I've expressed two very different things here, but I've used the same word. In in the Greek, um, there are four Greek words that gets translated as one word in English as love. So we have uh, Storge, which is the affections we might have within a family. We have Philia, which is the love we might have in, uh, among friends, our friendship. And there's Eros, the uh, sexual or romantic notion of love. And then there's Agape. This is God's love. That's the word being used in 1 Corinthians 13. This is God's love, his agape. And how do we make sense of this word agape? We can look at different verses in the Bible where this is used. And it's most powerfully and clearly seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's agape love. It's not a love to the lovable. It's a love to those who are not worthy. It's so other-focused and centred. This is what Paul's calling and urging the church to, this agape love. And when I think about this love and when I think about the extreme language and nature of it and I think about my own love, it feels so weak in comparison at times. Some people may look upon the church or look upon Christians and think, yeah, where is this kind of love? And sometimes human love might seem like not much. Um, There's a description in Hosea... um, which describes sometimes human love. And so in this reference, um, Ephraim is uh, another term for Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah is the southern kingdom. So listen to this verse from Hosea 6, verse 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Sometimes our love is but like a mist. Can't compare with this love, this agape love. But if you still think, no, no, I'm sure we can love like this. I'm sure we love like this all the time. Here's the test. You may have heard this test before from 1 Corinthians 13. You grab your Bible, you go to a mirror, you open up to 1 Corinthians 13, and you read verses 4 to 7. And where there's a reference to love, you insert your name. And insert your name as liberally as you like. And so it would sound like this, I'll insert my name, it'll sound like this. So I'm looking in the mirror and I say this, Jerome is patient, Jerome is kind, Jerome does not envy, Jerome does not boast, Jerome is not proud, Jerome does not dishonour others, Jerome is not self-seeking, Jerome is not easily angered, Jerome keeps no record of wrongs. Drome does not delight in evil, but Drome rejoices with the truth. Drome always protects, Drome always trusts, Drome always hopes, Drome always perseveres. Now, if you can read that and remain standing, if you're not crushed, you have arrived. Well done. But if you're like me, then those are crushing words, crushing sentiments, this love is perfect. It's not saying love is one of those things some of the time. It's saying love is all of those things all of the time. That love is too high and too hard. Is Paul asking the Corinthian church to do something that is beyond them? I don't think he is actually. So this is, this is a difficulty. He is exhorting them to this. He's calling to the, them to express this kind of love. God's love. How can they express God's love? Well, in verse 8, it says, love never fails. And the verses that follow, as you hear these final verses, it's as though other things cease, other things will come to an end, but love, this love is lasting. This love is eternal. So again, he talks about prophecies. Well, they'll cease. Tongues, they'll be stilled. And knowledge, it'll pass away. Whatever knowledge I think that I have, when Christ comes in relation to that fuller knowledge, the knowledge that I have now will seem as nothing. But love, that remains. It's eternal. And, and Paul isn't pitting this love against gifts. He's not saying, well, don't worry about the gifts. Don't worry about s- sacrificing. Just love. Love. He's not pinning them against them. He's saying, actually, no, just before chapter 13, he said, pursue, desire the greater gifts. Now let me show you the most excellent way. Let me show you the most excellent way to pursue these gifts. Let love be your motivation for exercising, utilising these gifts. Let your love, which is other-centred, Let that be the motivation. So gifts still matter. They matter in the now. But there's a way in which we exercise them. There's a way in which we desire them. But love, gifts or our self-sacrifice with love will have lasting and eternal value and consequences. So this perfect, otherworldly, eternal love, how do we express this? This eternal love. What is eternal? God is the true, eternal one. No beginning, no end. He is the source of this love. More than the source, the scriptures say, in 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We've been talking about how we have found our home in God, but also God has made his home in us. And if you read those other verses from 1 John 4, verses 13 to 16, you'll hear this theme so clearly, that God abides in us. And this has been made possible through the gospel, through God's agape love in Jesus. And then as we look at the implications of the gospel, as we see where it flows out, We hear that God has poured out, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is in us. But how is this love expressed? How is it made manifest in us? Well, to the, the degree to which we believe this and the degree to which, I mean, that expression, if, if, if God has made his home in us, that expression, make yourself at home, what does that expression mean? Make yourself at home. We're saying, what's mine is yours. And in order to have that attitude, One can't be full of oneself. One is saying, this all belongs to you. All that I am belongs to you. This is yours. Make yourself at home. And the degree to which we can say that to God, make yourself at home. And as we do so, there will be some kind of dying to self. As you make room for God... God is a most gracious host, but He's also a most humble guest. He's waiting for us to participate with Him. He's waiting for us to say, Make yourself at home. Let your love reach the world through me. Let your love reach the world through us. Paul is indeed exhorting the church to something that they can attain. Because God's love is in them. I just want to read a quick story from the Gospel of Luke. I was thinking, which um, which story? Would I read? And um, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul's reminding the church, this church that is becoming a bit puffed up with itself. He said, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before, before him. And if, from that beginning, they really knew God's love. So let me read, to this, read this story for you. I will not comment on it, just read it. Let it flow over you. If God was speaking and communicating to you about his love, just let these words flow over you. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 onwards. When one of the Pharisees named Simon invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. I have something to tell you. Teach it, tell me, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will, Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Let me pray. Most loving God. Make yourself at home in us. Amen.